Welcome home and welcome to the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. Today we pick up with Bill Yonker on session two of his series on seasoning our own corner of the world. Um, help me make life a little more nourishing. Um, lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of judgment. The lips of the righteous nourish many. That that we would be uh, make life nourishing for people, not just filling, but but life sustaining. You probably knew this about the great reformer Martin Luther. He uh, he would go into these deep funks, these deep depressions. In German, it's called the Anfechtungen. And when the Anfechtung would, would take over. He, he would, for days, would be just in these, these, these deep depression and, and a spiritual oppression. Not a possession, but oppression. And um, uh, Katie, his fabulous wife, read a, you want to read a good book, read Kitty My Rib. It's an old, old book, and it's about the life of Katie Luther. He, called her, he would call her Kitty or Ketty. And Ketty in German means... Chained, like ball and chain. Um, but Kitty, Kitty, my fabulous. She was an incredible woman. She, uh, you know, Luther would have twenty students over to drop and expect Katie to feed him, and uh, they'd stay over. And, and fortunately, the elector had given him this house. If you haven't been to Wittenberg, go sometime, and, and uh, it could house all those people. But Katie would have to feed him, clean, and so. And then out of town dignitaries he'd invite to stay. In fact, Kitty, one time, uh, there was a guy that offered Luther some money for staying, a wealthy man. So Luther said, I won't care if you stay in my house and, and for free. This is, this is my gift. And um, Katie heard this, ran out the back door, went, there was kind of a, a, a berm that she ran along, and met the guy as he came out the front door walking down the street and said, uh, good sir, the doctor is a brilliant man, but he has no clue how much it takes to run a house and all these things. If you are still meaning to give an offering, I would gladly receive it. <laughs> Um, one time, um, he was in such a deep, dark depression, she came in, dressed all funeral black. And Luther looked up, and he could see she was in the funeral clothes. He said, ah, Katie, good Lord, now who died? And she said, I thought you knew. He said, of course I do. I haven't been out of my study all day. How would I know? And he said, who died? And she said, God. He said, what? What is the matter with you? Why would you speak such nonsense, woman? What do you mean God is dead? And she said, well, the way you've been acting, God was no longer in his heaven taking care of us. So I figured God must have died. We should have a funeral for him. And it snapped him out of his funk. But one time, he was in such a deep depression, nothing would work. So she called for his uh, his pastor and dear friend, fellow reformer, a fellow by the name of Johannes Bugenhagen. And <laughs> Luther would say to the young preachers, and he'd say, when you preach your sermons, don't go on and on and on like Bugenhagen. Keep your sermons short. Try to keep them to one hour. How long was that Bugenhagen going? Anyway, uh, but he dearly loved Bugenhagen. They were good friends. One time, uh, Luther was in this deep funk. And uh, Katie called for Pastor Bugenhagen to come over. And uh, when, she, when he got there, uh, she said he's in his study. Ever get to Wittenberg? His, his, his smaller room 
and uh, there's a wall there, and there's uh, the ink stain, you know, the story where he got mad at the devil and threw an ink blot against the wall. And the people literally would chip out, this back during the East German days, they'd chip out the ink stain and carry that home. And so the East German government would every year would throw a new ink blot against the wall, you know. But, um, uh, but his study was right. And so as, as Guggenheim knocked on the door, Luther, uh, Luther over his shoulder, tears streaming down his great reformer's face. I mean, think about it. I mean, uh, he, he's confronting the greatest powers in the, the Western world, Emperor Charles IV. The Pope. The Pope had his own army. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, they put a bounty on his head, wanted dead or alive. They could have killed Luther. Not only would they have not gotten punished for killing Luther, but they'd have paid him for it. That's why he was hidden in the Hoiberg for two years. We translated the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into German. And, uh, and uh, as you know, uh, uh, Gutenberg had invented the printing press, the movable type printing, so they could mass produce. I mean, interesting how God at that time, and then John Calvin was alive and Paul Zwingli and Henry VIII over in, uh, oh, all one time, a fascinating time in history. Anyway, um, Guggenhagen uh, comes in and sees the reformer sobbing, you know, pounding on his head, the weight of the world. Is he right? Is he not right? You know, why am I alone? Why, why isn't anybody else seeing this? Guggenhagen went up and put his hand on Luther's shoulder. And it was then he noticed, because Luther turned around, and Luther was taking the tip of his finger, and he was writing letters on the top of his desk, just with his finger. And he was writing B. you ever see Luther's Rose, when we finished Luther's Rose, um, you'll see in between the petals, B-I-B-I-T. It's one of Luther's favorite words, B-B, the Latin word. It means hands. B, I'm going with B-I and B-I-T, hands. B-I and B-I-T, hands. And with that, when Guggenhagen saw that, he knew that even in the midst of his deep, dark depression, Luther was still proclaiming Christ. So Guggenhagen did the unthinkable. He started to laugh. He laughed and laughed. And then Luther started to laugh and through his tears, he started to laugh. B-I-B-I-T. Hands. When life gets really hard, it's right up there. B-I-B-I-T. He lives. When you feel like nobody cares or you're alone, B-I-B-I-T. He lives. Jesus says, because I live, you also shall live. There are people out there who need to know he lives. He lives for them. Not as an uh, angry taskmaster sitting on a rainbow with a sword in his teeth, looking down as if to say, one more time, I'm going to wipe you out. See, I believe when Jesus looks at you, he's not standing there with his hands on his hips like, okay, challenge me. Nor do I think he's shaking his finger or doing, remember what the old kindergarten teachers used to do, shame, 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 shame. He's not doing anything. You know what he's doing? Don't know it's him. The wounds are still in his hand. He's saying, come here. Because I believe when you die, the first thing you're going to see is Jesus. And he's not going to tell you all the things you did wrong. He's going to slap you up with a big old hug. And his face is going to be all scrunched up. Because he's finally got you where he wants you. Straight in his arms for all eternity. And again, you'll know it's him. The wounds are still there. And I think he's going to welcome you into heaven. Oh, that we would help other people believe that. Let's go on. Folks, um, here's my, my contention. Um, help me make life a little more nourishing. Words of discourtesy 
dishonesty, insincerity, and acrimony. Um, big words. Discourtesy. Sometimes we Christians can be so discourteous. At my church, we have now started a program where we are not talking about what we're against. We're talking about what we're for. We are for Jesus. We are for the Word of God. Now, if people come up to us and they say, well, um, what do you feel about the uh, pro-life movement? Uh, what does the Bible say? We're for the Word of God. Let's look in the Bible together. Are you for capital punishment? Let's look in the Bible. Uh, you know, what about all the racial tension? Well, let's, let's look at the Bible. By the way, you know the word race is only mentioned once in the Bible? And it's not about black or white or Hispanic kind of race. The only time it's mentioned is about the human. What? Well, that race, yeah. Paul runs the race. So, but I mean races in different nationalities. The only race that's ever mentioned is the human race. Because we all got red blood. We all cry. We all need Jesus. Every single one of us. Words of discourtesy, dishonesty, insincerity, and acrimony. Gosh, aren't you tired of the acrimony in our culture today? I mean, I don't, you know, Republican Party, Democratic Party, Shoot, invite me to a pizza party. That's what I want. But aren't you tired? I mean, and, and there's no common courtesy. There's no discourse. Um, we label people. We hurt people. We divide people. Um, there's a fabulous book out by a guy named Sasena. He's a senator from the state of Nebraska. And he talks about anti-tribalism. It's brilliant. That all of us have our own little tribes. And what we're really about now is being against the other tribes. Not so much what we're for, but what we're against. That's not the way Jesus talked. It's not the way Jesus dealt with people. Now, is there a place for righteous anger? Yes, absolutely. But I used to do this uh, um, chapel for high schools. They don't do it anymore. Fortunately, I didn't break anything but almost broke a gym floor. They bring in a bat, baseball bat. I know. The high school kids, you know, you're trying to get their attention. I walked in and I said, I'm sick and tired of people beating on Christians. I think it's time we beat back. So I got a new tool to do a minister. I'm going to start beating people to love Jesus. You know, like. And I'm ranting and raving, and I'm going crazy. I'm bouncing up and down. I'm, ah, and people are like, the pastor's gone crazy. You know? and I, then all of a sudden, I took the bat, and I meant just a, a little tap. You know, just a little tap. And it kind of sailed out of my hand. Into this, uh, you know, the bleachers come down. People moved out of the way, crashed in the bleachers. I think it dented the wood floor. I do. I really do. I didn't mean to, but it happened. And I said, but that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is not beating on people, it's loving people. By this will all men and women know that you are my disciples. If you beat them with a baseball bat. Oh, it doesn't say that. If you love one another. And and to love doesn't mean to tolerate poor behavior. You know, that bothers me too, that that, you know, we gotta tolerate you know, if somebody's getting drunk, call them, call them on it. It's not right to get drunk. You don't have to tolerate a drunk. 
all the shenanigans. Oh, I love Jesus, so I'll tolerate the crap. No, call it what it is. It's wrong. But can we do it in love? And 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 we don't we don't correct people simply to show them how right we are. We correct them so that we can bring them back to the Savior. It doesn't mean any better. Words of those things. Oh, yeah. Watch this. I want the same, but in different words. What we say matters. How we say it matters. Words of discourtesy sincerity, acrimony, those, those four words, that's food poison. Food poison for the soul. And here's the deal. It doesn't just poison the one you're aiming the words at. It poisons you in speaking them. I have long maintained that uh, to hold a grudge long after the person you're holding a grudge against has forgotten it, it'll still be eating you. There was a time where, uh, I can't remember, Xanax, I think, was the number one drug in America. Xanax was for ulcers and anxiety. And, and people were getting ulcers not because of what was they were eating, but because of what was eating would consider to make life more nourishing let's go on I'm missing number four okay it's on your sheet there though it's a little more satisfying I'll figure this out we'll figure this out better sorry about that um, I hope we make life a little more satisfying John 10 10 oops the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the thief we know is Satan. By the way, please don't let people lead you into foolishness saying there's no such thing as a Satan. I've had people say that to me. I had a lady angry with me one time. I was down in St. Louis speaking, and I, I, 
I speak a lot on spiritual warfare. And uh, I was talking about Satan's tactics. And she came up a little bitty thing. And she grabbed me by the material on my shoulder. And she spun me around. Today they'd call that assault. And uh, I said, excuse me. And she said, you stop it. You stop it right now. I said, stop what? She said, you stop talking about the devil. You're scaring the kids. I said, well, I hope so. And, and she said, why? Why are you doing There's so many other positive things to say? I said, because C.S. Lewis said this, and I believe he's right. The devil would have us do one of two things, either ignore him altogether or have an overactive, unhealthy interest in him. We don't want to do that, have an overactive, unhealthy interest. But to ignore him altogether, to ignore an enemy altogether means they're going to come in and, and attack and, 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 and devastate you. you. You can't ignore him. And she said, well, I, there's no such thing. I said, there is. tell you a story, but I met people in Detroit. There's a two-block uh, two stretch of an avenue called Cass Avenue, called the Cass Corridor. On the Cass Corridor, anything you want to buy, anything you want to buy, anything, um, you can buy there. There are people there that are intimate with Satan, that know him very, very well. And so um, I said to her, I said, uh, there really is a devil. She said, well, I don't believe that. I said, well, from my tradition, we believe that there's spiritual warfare in these habits. She goes, well, I don't know what you are. She said, I'm a Lutheran. I said, so am I. She said, we Lutherans don't believe that. I said, yeah, we do. She said, no, we don't. I said, did you ever hear the, the song, A Mighty Fortress? Though devils all the world, world should fill, all eager to devour us. We tremble not. We fear no ill. They'll have no power over us. I mean, that's, that's, it's right there. She goes, that's just allegorical. get a phone call from the CEO of the organization I was speaking for. And I said, hey, this lady complained about you. And I said, did she say I was discourteous? She said, no. He said, no. She said, you're actually nice about it, but she so disagreed with you that she wanted you to no longer be speaking for our organization. I said, oh. He said, we, however, agree with you. We look forward to booking you at more events. And it was like, thanks be to God. Um, don't, don't be silly enough to think there's not. Jesus says there is. Huh? Here's the problem. Let's take Jesus at his word. Can we do that? I mean, let's, let's just let Jesus have his say. And in order for that to happen, we need to know scripture. He says the thief, we know that Satan, Satanos, the, uh, the, the deceiver, uh, Lucifer, the shining one, Diabolos, devil, the one who lies in ambush. First Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled, little bird. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. devil doesn't, you know, come up and show you uh, all this ugliness. You know, a lion doesn't walk up to an antelope, tap him on the shoulder, say, yo, antelope, I'm about to eat you. The antelope's faster than the lion. The lion has a heart the size of a stone that it can't run very far. That's God's doing the, at least giving everybody a fair chance. So what a lion will do is get down in the tall grass, downwind, and will sneak up and then pounce. And that's what Satan does to us. Sin always looks good before and during. Did you ever notice that? It looks good before and during. It's only afterwards when the consequences, the guilt, the shame come crashing in. Why did we do what I did? The thief comes only to do three things. Steal. Steal your heart. Kill your body. Destroy your soul. Jesus comes to do three things. I have come that they may have, 
first of all, to have life. So, so the have contradicts the steal, the life contradicts the kill, and to the full contradicts the destruction. How come that you might have life and have it to the full? And what does that mean? Does that mean bigger houses, prettier faces, stronger muscles? No. It means about the stuff that really matter in life. Joy. Peace. Relationships. Faith. On your deathbed, when your vision is 2020, you're not going to say, wish I could go to the store one more time. You're not going to say, wish I could work one more hour at the office. On your deathbed, you're going to say things like, well, hopefully better than this, but most people um, have regrets. Suppose I should have, think I could have, wish I would have. That's what they say. I've been to a lot of deathbeds, a lot of deathbeds. Wish I would have loved my family better. Wish I would have gotten to know God better. I'm going to see him soon, and I, I don't really have a clue. That's what most people say in the deathbeds. Wish we would project ourselves to that period <coughs> and then work backwards and live our lives in a fashion that we weren't there with regrets. Um, can I tell you another story? Uh, I think I told you I was in Detroit. My uh, first birthday there, uh, I was kind of a little, it was after church. The lady, fabulous lady, Carrie Jones, her whole family was a big, big part of the church. Carrie was a fabulous lady. Dark, dark complexion. Uh, fabulous skin, though. Like Hershey's milk chocolate without the almonds. You know, just, just fabulous complexion. Beautiful lady. Big lady. And uh, after a few months, the, a lot of the people started calling me my pastor. They didn't, they didn't say Pastor Yonker. They would call me my pastor. That is my pastor. Hey, my, my pastor, come here. You know, and, that was, and I liked that. I liked I was I was owned. I was possessed. You know, a possession, not possessed. That, ooh. You know what I mean. Yeah. And um, I remember I was, it was after church, and um, I would, Joanne and I would drive separately from here. I remember get there early, and Joanne had already gone home. I was kind of cleaning up stuff, and Carrie came up and put her arm in mine, and she said, my pastor, what's the matter? You know what happened to you? What's and I put on my hat. Oh, everything's fine. She looked at me, don't you lie to me. You're lying to me. There's a house of God. You're lying to a holy woman. Again. Don't you lie to me. I was kind of sad. And she said, what is the matter? I said, you didn't think it's silly, but so my birthday's coming. And, and when I was growing up, my mom would make a big deal of it because I'd whine. In fact, one time she made me a four-layer red German chocolate cake. Four layers. And red's my favorite color. I love German I said, you know, Mrs. Jones, I feel so different. I'm a young white guy with most older black people. I came from a small town, this is the inner city. She said, nobody, nobody's going to remember my, my birthday. And she would have had every right to look at me and say, you shut up, little boy. You, what, what is the matter with you? You're in the inner city of a ghetto. You are with poor people. You're whining about you. What's the matter with you? You understand racism? You understand all the hardships we've had to face? understand that, 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 that people wanted to kill us simply because of the color of our skin. You're one. She would have had every right to say that. She said, well, let me say a prayer with you. And she held my hand and she prayed for me that I would be feeling better. 
And my birthday was in my office. And I had said to her, too, I said, you know, I was feeling so good. And I also mentioned, you know, the collard greens and the chitlins. And I probably offended her. I said, I don't even know how you people eat that stuff, you know. And I probably shouldn't have said that, but I, you know, I was in our role. So I said it. So she came and she knocked on my office door. And that didn't usually happen. Usually uh, you had to go through Mrs. Brown, the secretary, first. And she was upstairs. But there was a knock on my door, so I opened it. And there was Carrie Jones standing there. And when she smiled, her, her, her eyes disappeared. She was off teeth. Give me 150 watts of her brightest, you know. And she's standing there holding a cake pan with a big lid on it. And she said, Happy birthday, my pastor! And I said, Oh, you remembered. And she's like, How could we forget? <laughs> she came and she said, Let me put this down. And she put it down in the corner of my desk. And she opened it up, and there was the most beautiful four layer German chocolate cake. And she said, German chocolate cake. And now you people eat this stuff. <laughs> now she was making fun of me because she'd made German chocolate for years. But she would have had every reason to scold me, to shun me, to scorn me. Instead, she made me a cake. Come that you might have life and have it to the full. That's what she wanted to do. You want to make my life a little more sweeter, a little fresher, a little more sad. Henry David Thoreau. Most people lead lives of quiet desperation. Makes me sad. I think he's right. Here's one of my heroes, though. Oh, it's not going to be out right now. Is it? Oh, shoot. So I'm going to have to... Mike Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli started an organization called This Specialty. Sadly, he died in a car accident much too young. But he said this, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and yelling at the top of your lungs, wow, what a ride! That's the way to live life. Totally worn out. Thoroughly, so thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and yelling at the top of your lungs. Wow, what a ride. That's, on my deathbed, I want my family surrounded. Kissing me. We're a huggy kissy. We're a huggy kissy family. I mean, you know, we, we'd watch TV, somebody get up to the bathroom, we'd hug and kiss goodbye. You know, we just hug. That's who we are. We say, I love you all the time. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't want to say, what a ride. What a ride. I don't want to say, I wish I would have, suppose I should have been like that. I want to say, what a ride. Life should not be lived in such a fashion that you arrive at the grave in a pretty and well preserved body but thoroughly used up, totally worn out, yelling at the top of your lungs, wow, what a ride. Because the fact of the matter is then you're going to get an even better ride straight into heaven. Not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you merited it, not because you worked for it, but because it was given to you by the lover of your soul, Jesus. Oh, that we would consider Yakinelli being right. This is grace for free. I won a hot dog eating contest one time. I did. Fourth grade. Camp Potawatomi. It was a 4-H camp. 
So I was in the fourth grade, and I, I fell madly in love with a seventh grader. Her name was Karen Lucas. The things you can remember today. She's a seventh grader. She's an older woman. And I heard she was going to be in a hot dog eating contest. And uh, I get her to notice me. We started, there was about uh, 15 kids started, came down to the two of us, Karen Lucas and me, at the 13th hot dog with a bun. She gave it up to show my athletic prowess. I ate two more, 15 hot dogs with a bun. Regulation size hot dog. I'm not kidding. Fourth grade. I was 10. I didn't even have the stomach capacity I have today. And I thought she noticed me. Yeah, we, we never talked again after that. I don't know what she was doing, but I spent the remainder of Camp Potawatomi in the bathroom being sick. Fifteen hot dogs with a bun. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. But not fifteen hot dogs worth. I tell you that to tell you this. We want to make Jesus taste good for other people. you got to taste him first, all right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you tasting Jesus? When when do you best taste him? When are you most hungry? Maybe that's the time you pull out your scriptures. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. Maybe it's uh, when you just had a fight with someone you love, or maybe someone that uh, cares about you just hurt your feelings. I don't know. Maybe it's when you come face to face with the conclusion that left yourself. You're nothing more than what I am. A dirty, rotten, no good for nothing, but I'm a scummy sinner. And then you taste Jesus and he says, I love you anyway. I don't love what you did. I'll never love what you did. In fact, I hate it so much I died to take it away. But I love you. And after you taste them, then, would you, would you notice the people who need to taste them? I'm convinced that there's that old song, you know. I, uh, oh, I just had his name lost in Ray something. It's called Thank You. Remember that one? Ray Bolt, Thank You. In the song, he talks about how uh, when he gets to heaven, somebody runs up and twists their arms around him and says, Thank you. Wasn't for your witness, probably wouldn't be here. Maybe in the song he tells different interest in instances of that. And I think I think that, you know, splendor and medals and trophies and plaques have accolades and newspaper clippings and whatnot. That's where you can get 
But I submit to you, if you put all those things together, put them in one big pile, they won't compare even a little bit to one person running up to you in heaven saying, thank you for your witness. Because I'm not sure I'd be up here if it wasn't for you sharing Jesus. And just think if you have a whole pile of people This week, we're talking about seasoning our little corner of the world, being salt of the earth. And I think we just wanted to talk about um, what salt flavors, how do we flavor other people. We'll talk about uh, some other properties of salt tomorrow or the next day. But here's my encouragement, that you would spend some time today. I'll give you a little homework. No test. I won't quiz you on it. I'll give you a little, little thought, that, uh, a little homework you think about those people in your life who maybe need a more of a taste of Jesus than they've been getting. Maybe, maybe they haven't ever tasted it. Maybe you could uh, serve them the first bit. Or, or maybe they've tasted them, but for whatever reason they spit them out. Didn't think you tasted so good. Maybe you make them taste good again. Or, or maybe it's people who are dining great regularly and not with the liver that they needed to keep being I would just encourage you to think about those people in your life. And then maybe ask God to give you opportunities and courage and the wherewithal to be able to just serve up uh, what their souls are most starving for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, I thank and praise you that you have come to fill us. Indeed. Your word fills us. Your body and blood fills us. Your Holy Spirit fills us. And Lord, we know that there are powers out there. There is one out there that would rob us. We thank you that he is defeated by you. Though he still lies around, we know that to tell us, it is finished. I ask that you would give us hearts to want to share this word. Not shove it down people's throats, but simply to make the appetizing of you so good, so fresh, so satisfying, so nourishing. All this we pray in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.